Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by Jason Campbell. And today we're going to talk a little bit more broad, obviously, now that Auburn's football season has come to an end. We're kind of going to make this one more of a news and notes episode. Really exciting. At the end, we are going to preview the big national championship game with some LSU insight. We have former LSU quarterback Josh Booty joining us at the end of the show to preview the Tigers versus the Tigers. So it's going to be a great episode Jason, how's uh how's life going without Auburn football? It's it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, but at the same time, <laughs> life goes on. And uh, it does. you know the basketball team is doing really well right now. We're fourteen and zero. Uh, you know, guys right? had a big win over Vanderbilt last night, so I think we're finding different ways to win basketball wise right now, which is good. And uh, I think it's gonna pay off for us come tournament time. Yeah, so that's 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 going really well. So I've been having my eye on the basketball team and you know, with Marquise and talking with him and everything and as he continues to recover from from his accident. But over other than that though, I can't complain, you know, NFL football going on. That keeps me occupied on the weekends and you know, it's that time of the How year. How about where, that wild card round? Oh, that man. was crazy. Yeah, it it really lived up to his name, Wild. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Seriously. you know, to play the Deshaun Watson, you know, you look at it both ways. If you're a defensive guy, you're like, how you not just wrap up? And then if you're an offensive guy, you're like, man, what a play, you know, to, to be able to bounce. Because they both hit him so hard, but they kind of banged against each other, which kept his balance for him to get out for Deshaun to yep. make the play. So I'm looking forward to this weekend, though. I'm looking forward to oh, this yeah. weekend. This going to be Divisional a Divisional round will be good. Yeah, it'll be good. I know the, the state of Louisiana is really hoping LSU can pull this one out now that the Saints have lost. That just really deflated oh, everybody. Yeah. But, well, there is a bit of Auburn football news that we are going to talk about today. Before we get into some of these topics, I want to tell you guys once again about the Pod by 8 Sleep. Let's make 2019 the last year that you suffered through bad sleep. We need a minimum of eight hours of sleep, not just so we're more productive and less cranky, but studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins even show that chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, even cardiovascular disease. And one of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. A lot of people say they can't get good sleep if they're too hot or too cold. So you may have the answer to that, and it's the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep, and it combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It's a crazy comfortable bed. It learns your sleeping habits, and it adjusts to the temperature automatically. So for the next week, you can get $200 off your pod and a free gravity blanket for a total value of $500 only at 8sleep.com slash pro. So that's the number eight spelled out, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash pro. 
it has been announced that offensive line coach J.B. Grimes is stepping away from the program to, quote, pursue other opportunities. Now, following the bowl game, I mean, we really ripped into the O-line because it really was such the obvious source of some of the problems in that bowl game. And, mm-hmm. and those problems were there throughout the season, too. It was just really magnified in the bowl game. So what is your interpretation of this jb grimes deciding to step away do you think this is the best thing for the program i I know coach grimes is is loved and guys have a lot of respect for him but there was clearly something that wasn't clicking how did you perceive this change yeah you knew something was going to happen um anytime you know things go through a season the way that we did and especially in the bowl game where you know there's times we wouldn't blocking guys that was like directly in front of us not even a blitz you know, it just means there's some type of form of miscommunication going on. And uh, right. I love J.B. Grimes. I have the utmost respect for him as a coach. He's always been someone I can walk up to and talk to and he'll put his arms around you and, and you know, and give you information as far as, like, you know, about life and different things. So, you know, I wish him well, you know, his, uh, his nets, whatever he chooses to do nets. But at the same time, I put some onus on some of the players as well, though. You know, like – yeah. Well, you're a player, man. Like you're playing for your coach at the same time, but a coach can coach. But once the game starts and the whistle blows, it's up to you to, to if you to block the guy right in front of you. That's not chemistry or geometry. That's just I'm a man up and and be more physical than this guy and uh, put a right. hand on him. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. You know, most times this year, there were times they did really well where Bo wasn't sacked and had time to throw the ball. But then you look at the bowl game. You know, you're just like, man, what's going on here? But at the same time, I expect a couple of guys to probably, you know, have an opportunity to come in position. You know, Kendall Simmons is a guy that was on staff this year as an assistant. Um, you know, they call it, I, I can't remember the title that they really gave him. You know, it'd be interesting to see if they move him up to that position. You know, he's the guy that played at Auburn. Uh, he was there when I was there when I first got to Auburn. Won two Super Bowls, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, has a mm-hmm. ton of experience and, uh, you know, so it'd be interesting to see if they move him up to being the full-time offensive line coach or, or, or they go outside. So, you know, a lot to be answered in, uh, in this position. Absolutely. I mean, I think looking for a new O-line coach is already a big task, but you're also re- replacing a lot of starters on that mm-hmm. O-line. Prince Tego Winogo, Markel Harrell, Mike Horton, Jack Crystal, seniors Caleb Kim, Bailey Sharp. Like, there's going to be so much movement there, regardless if the coach stayed the same. So I think, weirdly enough, this is a good time to transition in a new coach because it's not like a lot of these starters are going to have to learn how to work with a new coach. Like, they're kind of getting a, a complete redo on the mm-hmm. o-line but does that give you a little bit of apprehension especially given the fact that this auburn offense relies so heavily on the run game and if you're bringing in an entire new o-line and a new o-line coach does that maybe hint that next season is still going to struggle in that department what do you think well it all depends because you never know like what you have in guys that are red-shirted um you know, the guys that can come in and sign a class, like kids come in now in the college a little bit more prepared than in the past. Uh, you know, now they have all this, you know, different things. They have trainers in high school. You know, it's kind of unheard of. You know, when I was in school, you know, you train with your coaches and all. See, but now these kids have professional trainers. You know, they're coming in the game a little bit more advanced. Um, so you just never know what's in our recruiting class and, and what's already on campus. But at the same time, you yeah. know, we do have the Bisbee kid is coming in. And, 
when you think about comparing the offensive line with him in the beginning phase, that means they have years to grow together. Because you know at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you at least got to get three years out of him before he can even have a chance to go pro. And when you think about it in the same situation, my question is, do we go get some junior college offensive linemen just because the simple fact we did lose, you know, all our starters this year, except mm-hmm. for Nick Brom, the center, which is the only one coming back, which is a key component because he can help those around him because he's uh, the second quarterback on offense. So that helps a mm-hmm. lot. But do we get like two or three Juco offensive linemen that can come in and play right away that already has some form of college experience? It has helped us in the past when we've gone that route and why we let younger guys develop. So it'll be key to see what Gus does uh, in January and trying to re- and trying to get these signees in February. I kind of hope that they do that. I think that experience would, would be really beneficial, especially given the fact that we are about to be as stacked at the running back position as we've been in a really long time. Like you mentioned, Tank Bigsby, that was such a big get for this program. And I think they're really investing to get back to that caliber of run game that we're used to seeing, but also for Bo Nix's sake. I mean, there's there's no secret that this guy needs a line that he can really trust. He can't focus on his own game if he doesn't have trust in his line. So I'm hopeful that they really invest in that early and that that's a high priority because everything else goes behind them. You know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, like I said, for Bo, that's the biggest thing. And uh, like I said, this year we saw him escape a lot. And every time he escaped, it was probably 70% was to his right side. And the reason I say yeah. that is because he feels so comfortable with that because he's a right-hand quarterback and it's easier. But teams going to look at him this offseason. This is his first year. So they're going to study him across the league and they say, okay, he has an ability to escape to his right. So now they're going to try to force rushes to his right hand side to force him to go left. But if we could find a way to to build a wall in front of him to let him stand in the pocket and get to those second and third progressions, I think that'll help a lot, especially with Chad Morris now being on staff as offensive coordinator. I think it's going to help because he's going to add some nuances to our offense, especially in the passing game. And uh, I think that's that's somewhere that we can really – expand and do a better job of is uh it's mm-hmm. in the passing game and so i look for this to be a key 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 thing in january like we have to hit big on the offensive line recruit there's guys out there there's guys out there and you never sure. know who guys hitting transfer portal you know the guy from georgia may's kid just transferred uh, the other day going to his senior year i think he transferred to to tennessee they arch rival right. on that side but i can kind of understand you know he wants to go play with his young, younger brother who's already at tennessee and his dad was at Tennessee. So you just never know. You can't play in the head of these kids nowadays because they're transferring so quickly. They're, everything is a now, 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 now. No one has patience. No one. It's just like everything got to happen so quickly. And if it doesn't, I'm moving. And it's just like you can't right. live that way. So hopefully we can find some guys that are diehard Auburn guys through and through and want to be here. And really want to lay the foundation for this thing because I think so – so many people are are just, we know what we're on the cusp of attaining. We just haven't gotten it all together. It's kind of the way LSU has been feeling for years. You know that that program knew what talent they had, knew what potential was there. They just hadn't put it all together in one season. They've finally done that. And so you have this reprieve of being like, yes, like we, we are utilizing our talent the way we know that we could. And so I think Auburn is kind of on that cusp too. You just need a few more pieces put in the right place to really execute to your full potential. So I'm hopeful that this is the first step of many to get them to that point next year. Um, The other news that I wanted to get your input on, some quarterback news in the SEC. 
Tua Tungabailoa is officially entering the NFL draft. After going down with an injury this season, a lot of people were curious if he would go back to Alabama for one more run or if he would go ahead and enter the draft. Um, I just want to get your opinion on his decision. Do you think that this was ultimately best for him? And also what goes into that, right? Because he had to have been given a lot of insight from agents about his draft stock and and probability. I mean, there's so much that goes into that decision. So I, I would love to get your input on that. Yeah, you can tell it was a, it's a long thought out uh, decision for him and his family. I think he looked at it in, in, in a way that what's best for me right now at this moment moving forward. And for him, I think it was the right decision to come out. And the reason I say that is, you know, he just came off a major injury. And right now they still have him in the top 15 as a draft pick. So right now, if I'm a quarterback and I have an opportunity to be a first-round draft pick in the top 15 and I just come off a major injury, what gain do I get by coming back another year? Just to move up a few spots maybe? You know, like – So for him, it's like, let me go ahead and come out now. I get a chance to heal up. And no one really knows the severity of how bad this injury is. You know, like Mm -hmm. we're hearing reports that, you know, he's going to come back 100% and everything, but no one's ever really 100% after any surgery within a year. You know, it takes time. But at the same same instant, though, if I'm him, I'm thinking like, I'm going to get my money right now as well and make Mm -hmm. sure I'm secure in that department. And I love the game of football, but – I just secured my family by just coming out. Now my next step is let me get fully healthy so that I can go out here and perform and play the best that I can possibly have opportunity to play. And there are opportunities for him to be drafted early within the top 10 because the teams that are drafted in top 10 are in need of quarterbacks. And, you know, you look at Cincinnati, you look at Miami, those are two teams that are definitely going to draft the quarterback. And yeah, and he has to feel like he's going to be one of those two quarterbacks. He's in the top three between Burrow, who's probably going to go first pick and uh, and yeah. everything. And then if you're thinking about Miami, uh, you know, I'm thinking they're probably going to go Tua or they're going to go Herbert, but I think they're leaning towards Tua. And I think they're probably a big thing of why he chose to come out because in the top five with him going to Miami, it's a warm city, kind of reminds him of Hawaii a little bit when it comes to weather. That's and, true, uh, yeah. So why not? And I was like, why not come out at that point? And then you look at uh, Jake Fromm. I think Jake Fromm looked at it from a situation well, all my offensive linemen is gone. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, my running back is Swift is gone. And then, you know, you just think about all the, the turnover that just happened since their bowl game, you know, and he's looking at it like, well, I'm coming back as a senior, but I'm coming back as a senior with a whole bunch of new faces in the huddle that I really don't know as well. I really don't know how well our chemistry is going to go, but let me go ahead and take my chances now to come out. That one was a little bit more shocking to me, I'll be honest, because yeah. I thought with him looking at Joe Burrow, Tua, Herbert, the kid from Utah State, Jalen Hurts, all these guys coming out this year, I thought he'd probably look at it like, okay, well, next year probably just Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and – you know, right. then probably himself, you know, so which would have put him as a higher draft pick. So that one was a little bit more shocking. I thought he would probably lean towards Stan, but he decided to go. And I think a lot of it was, like we talked about before, who's going to be building that wall in front of him for his pass protection? Yeah, I mean, that's a key part of it as well. If you were involved in an NFL organization that was considering drafting Tua, 
Do you see a big risk in that? Like you said, we don't really know the severity of his injury. We don't know how he's going to bounce back. And you're potentially going to give your top five draft pick to a guy that has a bit of a risk factor involved. Would you feel confident drafting him that early? Well, you know what they always say, big risk, big reward. You know, it's uh, so it's a kind of it's kind of big risk, big regret. Right. Exactly. So it's going to be one of the two. Um, (laughs) I think for him, it's different because it's a different position like quarterback. You know, you can you can throw the ball from the pocket. You still can be relevant, relevant, important to the game. And and as different than a receiver or a receiver, everything's based off plants, based off cutting, based off jumping and running backs, getting hit and planting and cutting. Where a quarterback, you can get away with standing in the pocket and throwing the ball and still having a big effect on the game. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that helps him. Will he be as mobile in the beginning once coming back from this? Probably not so much in the first year, but yeah, he continue to get that hip stronger and continue to get get better and better as he goes. But it is a high risk, you know, because this is when you drop yeah. the quarterback in the top five or top ten, you know, you're putting a lot of stake into your organization. Like this is going to be our guy, and uh, and he's a definitely a great leader. You know, you already know that. Mm-hmm. Like not just saying that because what everybody Coach Saban said, but I'm just saying it because I can look at a quarterback and tell how guys play for him, how they respect him, how they come up and come for him, even when he wasn't playing. You saw the respect that they still was showing towards him. So I think with Tua, he has a lot of leadership skills that uh, that can help translate and help him on the football field. And 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 when he walks into a room and talks to these coaches, they're going to be wild. Like they're going to be like, man, we have to take this guy. Like so, I I expect him to still go top five, top ten. I expect him to go to Miami. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's got some of those intangibles and everyone saw that around college football. So it won't be any surprise to see that in the league as well. Uh, It it does bring up some interesting thoughts for what the future of Alabama looks like. I don't, I don't think we really got a clear indication of what their identity could be without Tua. I don't know if, if Mac Jones proved that he's the guy. I know you've got another tongue of Iloa on the roster, but I don't know. It's just interesting to think about what what that offense will look like moving forward. Well, I'm all right. I'm extremely happy right now because you know this guy being gone, Joe Burrow being gone, Jake Fromm being gone. Yeah. Who has the upper hand right now in the SEC when you think of quarterbacks? And you have to think both because of the experience that he had this year with that type of schedule that he had to go against. Um, you know, him and the kid from Florida, you know, that Trask, I'd probably say those two guys have yeah. the most experience coming back next year. Uh, you think quarterback positions in this in this league. And then, you know, Alabama didn't just lose their, their starting quarterback. Shoot, they lost the best receiver, I thought, in the whole SEC. He decided to yeah, go pro. So, you know, there's a lot of people leaving. Uh, of course, you know, they always have a top recruiting class. But I just think right now, this could be a great position for Auburn going into next year. Like it really could shape up well for us. Once again, it just goes back to that O-line. So really hopeful that they can get that thing working. Well, before we bring in Josh Booty to talk about this national championship game, I want to get your perspective on these two quarterbacks. Just get some QB perspective because obviously we know Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the nation, and they will be leading their teams on the biggest stage in college football come Monday. Give me a bit of a scouting report on both of these guys. What skill sets stand out to you for each of them? Oh, man. Like, let's, let's start with one first. Let's go with, uh, let's go with the oldest guy. Let's go with Joe Burrow. 
You know, the one thing, this kid has been through so much, uh, you know, being in Ohio State for three years, transferring to LSU, starting last year, and then coming into this season. Like, he's just a proven veteran. You know, he's the guy that's, uh, you know, you can tell he knows football inside and out. Um, Like, the things he's done this year has been unheard of. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, Joe Brady coming over from New Orleans and implementing that type of passing game, you know, helps a lot. But still, at the same time, you still got to go out and play. You know, you still got to go out and make the accurate throws. You still got to make the decision when things are going, you know, crazy around you within two seconds. We got to get rid of the ball. So a lot of ton of credit go to his composure, his poise. He doesn't ever seem to get rattled to me, uh, which is a mm-hmm. big key as a quarterback. Um, he's easy going. And, uh, you know, so with him playing in New Orleans this weekend or Monday night, which is known as the big easy, you know, it kind of fits him. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I look forward to him still putting up to one of the same performances that he did all throughout the year. I just don't think it'll be a Oklahoma-style performance. Uh, Clemson's a way better team than that. And uh, mm-hmm. But you think about Trevor Lawrence. This is a guy that's a prototypical quarterback. Both of these guys are going to be the first pick in the draft. Uh, Joe Burrow this year, Trevor Lawrence yeah. next year. And, uh, you know, this is a, actually a privilege for college fans and, and for a nation to have an opportunity to watch these two guys go head to head. But I think Trevor, this is a guy that hasn't lost a college game yet. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, just <laughs> even think about it. Like, that is crazy. I don't care what conference you play in. He still had to play in the playoffs over the last three years. I mean, last two years. Yeah. And, um, and, and still have not lost a game. And that weighs, that way, that have some weight to it. And I'm going to tell you why. To go down 16-0 to zero against Ohio State, a lot of teams mm-hmm. couldn't come back because they would end up folding. But because yeah. they are, they're so used to winning, it's just that, it's that mentality like, I just can't lose. Like, I'm just, right. no matter we're down 23-0, to zero, we're coming back to win this game. And they just kept coming and kept coming at Ohio State. And they end up fighting back in that game and winning it. And a lot of it had to do not with just Trevor Lawrence's arm. He has a great arm. He's a great pocket passer. But this kid can run. He's athletic. If you saw the run down the sideline, that changed the whole complex of the game. Because now you have to respect his running ability. And that's something that Joe Burrow does very well that a lot of people don't give him a lot of respect about. It's his running that he does on third downs and keeping keeping drives alive because of his feet. So both of these guys can throw and run, and they're both extremely smart. They both don't turn the ball over a whole lot. So any opportunity any defense gets, like you better make the best of it because you're not going to get many opportunities to make a play against these guys. I completely agree with you. And I, I, you mentioned their intelligence, and I think that's another aspect that isn't talked about as much because of their athleticism. I mean, you just get overwhelmed when you watch these guys play, but their understanding of the game is top-notch. Their, mm-hmm. their decision-making and their game management style, their composure on the field. I mean, these are two of the best that we have in the country right now, and I'm so excited to see them go up against each other. I think Trevor Lawrence, I would give him – the edge in the run department. I would give Joe Burrow the edge in the pass department, but only by narrow margins. I mean, these guys just really match up interesting together. So I think it's going to be a battle of the defenses and trying to stop both of these <laughs> dynamic offenses that, right. I, I mean, they're both so fun to watch though. Like if, if you like an offensive game, you are going to be set Monday night because I really right. think it's going to be high scoring and it's going to be close, but uh, it's, it's going to be exciting to be down there. I'm headed down there tomorrow. I'll be covering uh, a lot of the action for the SEC network. So I just think the environment is going to be awesome. But as an SEC homer, 
I'm personally pulling for LSU. So we are going to get some LSU insight from Josh Booty. But before we talk to Josh, I want to tell you guys once again about my bookie. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. So head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry, so if you're looking for a sportsbook to make some bets for the bowl, MyBookie is where you want to go. And if football's not really your thing, no worries. MyBookie has it all. From the NBA to the Premier League, they've got you covered. They have the fastest payouts, the best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pull your bets together for a bigger payout. So let's say you've got a couple big favorites this week. Parlay wagers let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you're going to get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. So all you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, and get paid. All right, everybody. Well, we have recruited some LSU blood to this episode to help us break down this big game. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And yes, it is. It's as big a game as we've played in 10 years. And we're, we're super pumped about, of course, a great opponent in Clemson. But, you know, we get them in a Superdome, which is, it's going to be kind of a home game for us. And you guys know all about that Tiger Nation. But uh, to be <laughs> You know, to be in the Superdome play this game is huge for us. Absolutely. Are you going? Yeah, I'll be down there. Um, okay. I, I head down on Saturday, so I'll be there all weekend. But I'm, I'm, I'm as excited as everybody. I mean, we haven't had a team, you know, like this ever in, in terms of just scoring points and the way we look and, you know, on offense. And, of course, we've got talent on both sides of the football. And our, and our coach is so hungry. To be honest with you, I mean, this is the first time he'd won an SEC title, much less a national title, and now we're right there in the in the driver's seat. We're five and a half point favorites, and and we feel like we've got a real good shot at this thing. I mean, you and every other LSU fan out there is really sitting here going, "Finally, like this is a program <laughs> that knew it had this potential. It just needed exactly. to put all the pieces together in one season, and and they've done it. I mean, it just seems like." their year it they just have to get this one done so let's dive into to breaking this one down a little bit but first I want I want to ask your perspective just on this season up until this point when you look back over it what do you think kind of got this team to the magnitude that they're at right now well it's two things it's it's um we brought in Joe Brady the passing game coordinator that implemented the spread offense and so we're able to utilize all our talent. And then our talent is uh, – most of our talent is upperclassmen talent. And so it's guys that have been around, played in games. Burrow, you know, won 10 games last year as a starter. And then in a pro-style offense, we we ran a lot of eye formation. We double tight ends, you know, two and three wide receiver sets, uh, a lot like the old Florida State teams and a lot like Georgia a little bit. It's kind of a hybrid. Now we're, we look like the New Orleans Saints. And, um, you know, we're putting up huge numbers, but we had four of our five linemen coming back from a year ago. Our, all of our receivers played a year ago. 
Uh, Thaddeus Moss is an, you know, is an upperclassman, our tight end. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, our tailbacks, a fourth-year guy. I mean, guys that have been in the program and worked and worked and grown up, and now they're grown men. So, you know, Burrow's a fifth-year senior, and that's not to take anything away from his success. But, I mean, he played – he you know, he was at Ohio State for three years before he entered the transfer portal, came down. He started in the SEC last year. So, a guy that's been around football a long time. And you know, when you're at Ohio State and you're the backup, you're going against that defense and practice every day. And Ohio State's no slouch. They were in this – they were in this tournament a week and a half ago. You know, right. so, I mean, he is – he's – you know, he is just it, – it's a culmination of all that with Joe Brady. We're catching the football – which I'm so stoked about because a lot of times when teams make transition to uh, this style of offense, the receivers, it just takes them a few years to develop that culture, the timing, the rhythm, the understanding of, you know, getting open in space, using every blade of grass, the whole thing Jason knows better than anybody. And we were able to transform our team in just one year. And it's because of that senior leadership. And then Joe Brady helping Steve Ensminger, our offensive coordinator, develop our, our new identity. Well, Josh, thank you for the invite. The invite, first of all, to Bourbon Street. Uh, <laughs> you, know, I, you, know, I, you know, I do like gumbo and, you know, fried catfish and shrimp and, you know, and, and all the good stuff myself. But, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I watch it in front of TV and, uh, you know, pop my up in a recliner. You know you're always welcome. Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, when you think about this LSU team and you think about you know, Joe Burrow, the year he's having. My my turning point for the LSU team, I think, was when Auburn came to play them in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And the type of defense at that time that we were playing, of course, we didn't show it in the Outback Bowl. But <laughs> at that point in time during the season, mm-hmm. I thought we was one probably the top two defenses in the nation. And the way that uh, mm-hmm. Burrow stood in the pocket and continued to take hit after hit and make plays with his feet and with his arms, to me, once they defeated us in that game, it seemed like from that point on, there was no other defense that could even give them a challenge. It's almost like they were just throwing the ball on air. So what is it that you think that came upon that game? And why is it yeah. that, why is it things that look so easy for their offense right now? I think it you know, he has prepared himself his whole life for this. And yeah, he backed up JT Barrett at, at Ohio State. He backed up Dwayne Haskins, who's a starter in the league now in the first round or a year ago. And his dad's a defensive coordinator. He was at Miami of Ohio for many, many years. So you don't think they've had a lot of talks growing up about situational football. And so I think he's prepared himself and is playing in a system that's a dream scenario. And I, like I mentioned earlier, the weapons, using the entire field, being confident. Right? And I think confidence and, and, and being calm and locked in on a big stage like that Auburn game or like we had to play against Alabama or Florida, you know, big top you know, five top 10 matchups and against Texas early in the year, he made a play on third and 17 to really win us that ball game. And, uh, you know, he, he, what, what I was on SEC radio earlier this morning and um, on Sirius and I was talking about, he, he always in all the games so far, and I hope it happens again Monday, but he always starts nice. He always Mm -hmm. starts nice. And I think that's a really good indication of how good a quarterback you are if you start a game nice and you and you play the entire game, understanding situation, not letting the game be too big for you, the rush, like you guys have an unbelievable defensive front and you got guys that can run to the football. But he also knows we got good play callers. We got great receivers. We got a better an offensive line. And so he's comfortable from the get-go. 
And so no matter the situation, it's not too big for him. And I think that's why he'll play well in the national championship because there's not there's not been a game that he comes out, he's a little nervous, he's off the mark too long. You know, he might throw one or two bad balls in the first quarter, but it's not it's not punt, punt, punt. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, that's the one thing I like about him is that he always starts like he's in the middle of a game. And there's a lot of quarterbacks. There, I, I mentioned that I have a good buddy of mine that I actually trained in, when he was in high school, Shea Patterson. He plays at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And he, he went to my dad's high school, Calvary Baptist in Shreveport, Louisiana. And he's a great talent, a great quarterback. And he'll probably play great in the NFL. But he's sometimes he's shaky. Half the time he's shaky in the first quarter because it's like he's so amped up for the game that he can't <laughs> calm his nerves. Yeah. And you know, playing the position, you got to have those those nerves. You, you got to be ice water in your veins. You got to be calm and locked in on the big stage when you get to this type of magnitude of game. But I think he gives us a chance. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the, the guy's been there, done that. So you know, he's going. He has ice water in his veins. So this is a this is a premier matchup of, of of QB play. I totally agree with you. I think that obviously you know what you're going to get out of both of these quarterbacks, and they're both competitors. They lead their team well, and you can see that on mm-hmm. the field. But they also lead in different ways, which I think is an interesting thing to notice. But I want to go back to what you were saying about the mental toughness, because I feel like that's going to be a key component of this game. We've already seen that be a key component for Clemson in their game against Ohio State. They were down 16 to zero and never got frazzled. Clemson has been here before many, many times. You don't accomplish what they have accomplished without learning how to shut out the outside noise. So all the hype surrounding LSU right now, Joe Burrow, the home field advantage with it being in New Orleans, all of that is irrelevant to them. So do you think that LSU has gained the same mental toughness that Clemson has? Well, I think we've worked to the point where we we're, we're close. I think that, that, you know, Clemson does have that ultimate winner mentality. They have the balance, you know, they know how to shrink their circle in big games and big situations. They're hunting for their third title in four years. You mentioned it. Championship pedigree. Great coaching staff with Dabo and Venables. Venables is as good a defensive coordinator as there is in college football, mm-hmm. uh, maybe ever. I mean, you know, they play as a team on both offense, defense, special teams. Nobody's bigger than the program. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams where there's one guy like a Trevor Lawrence that would stand out and everybody else kind of gets in line. Well, there's, they got so many great players, and Trevor's just one of, of many. And now this kid's going to be a, a, a pro for a long, long time. He's the best young quarterback talent I've ever seen. And, yeah. you know, so there's a lot that goes with that. He's prepared. He's he's like a gazelle. I mean, we saw it. He ran 16 times. They don't want to do that to him every week because they, they want him in these games at the end of the year. But he's like he's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, Peyton Manning a little bit with his size. Uh, and and RG3, the way he runs, I mean, he's a hybrid. And that's the new style of quarterback. So, I mean, he's – and he's got weapons too. Higgins and Ross and ATN, (laughs) those guys have all played in this game. I mean, so I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, to be honest with you, just like the the Alabama game was for us. And I don't know if we can stop Clemson, but but, uh, I still like our chances, I think, because we're just – we're so good on the perimeter with all of our weapons. But – they man, they play as an entire team, and it, it's been fun to watch them. You know, he's resilient. You saw him get hit. Trevor Lawrence get hit. You know, in the mouth against Ohio State. They were down 16 to nothing. They played the second half and came back 
and uh, won 29-23. So if they put two halves together like they did the second half against Ohio State against us, this thing is going to get real interesting. Oh, Josh, you're giving us the sugar coat. You already, <laughs> you already know the game is in New Orleans, and you already know everybody's going to have the bees around their neck. They're going to be riled up. You already know they're coming out with vengeance in their eyes to defend what they call their <laughs> well, state, Louisiana. So I appreciate yeah. you sugarcoating it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, you know what? After that Saints loss in the wild card, our whole state is, is mad. So we're coming in with a we're coming in with a different mentality. You know, we were all fired up. The Saints were rolling, we're rolling, everything's good in uh, in the boot. And uh and now you done ticked off the big you done ticked off the whole nation. So now, you know, they come into this game, they, they they're hungry, man. We we cannot lose this ball game. This is our year and that's the way they they our fan base thinks, that's the way our team thinks. Orgeron's never won a national title. He's not you know, this is his this is his one he can go get with this team. And uh I promise you we'll be ready. Before I let you get up out of here though, Josh, you said something uh very key. You said Trevor Lawrence was kind of like a Peyton Manning, and I look at Joe Burrow the way he's played this year is like a Brady S. And uh, mm-hmm. so you couldn't ask for a better championship game with two tight, two style quarterbacks as uh, as leaders of their team, and uh, you know two coaches. Like I said, you know Coach Ogeron, you know this is his. I said this is his to win, and then at the same time, Clemson look at this as an opportunity to say we can be the first team to ever say we won three national championships during the playoff era, which just started a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. So. It's a lot at stake here. It's a lot. Uh, like I said, me and you both would have loved throwing to these these big receivers, which I can't. Uh, I had big receivers at Auburn, and I tell you, it makes a difference. And you look at LSU with the big receivers they have, Clemson with the big receivers that they have. These DBs have got it cut out for them. Yeah. So you think mm-hmm. when you think defensive back for us, Clemson and LSU, who has the edge in defending the uh, the opposing team? I think we do, and. I think that's one place that I see an advantage more than some other places. I think, you know, Trevor Lawrence and, and Burrow probably, you know, X each other out. ATN is really good. He's probably a little bit quicker than, than Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I love what he does in, in our offensive packages and how he can split out and spread and, and there's mismatches there and he can pass protect as good as any running back in the in the in college football I believe and uh, their receivers are great with a lot of experienced eyes that are, are great too and we have the bullet Nicole winner and Jamar Chase we got you know great players all over the place but I think our defensive back group um you know we have a guy named Derek Stingley who's 19 years old he's a true freshman and he was he was uh all SEC first team and that's hard to do. You don't just walk on campus and become first team all SEC, you know, without ever, you know, having any game experience really under your belt or a year of, of practice. I mean, this guy is a phenomenal athlete. He's going to be a Charles Woodson type player, Champ Bailey. He's that good on the perimeter. And he has made some unbelievable plays. We've got a guy named Christian Fulton, who's the other corner, that's probably going to be a first rounder as well. And then we've got a safety back there that's now healthy. He wasn't healthy for about 10 weeks of the season, Grant Delpit. And Delpit is is a first-rounder as well, maybe a top-ten pick. So we've got three guys that are going to be, you know, first-rounders in our secondary, and that's tough to beat. And, you know, it's like Clemson last year. They had 
three guys on their defensive line that were first rounders. So that was the strength of their ball club. Our the strength of our ball club is in the back end. So I would say that we we'd have a little not a, a little edge over Clemson in the in the secondary. But they got that guy Isaiah Simmons, who's built like you. You know, six five, two thirty, can run four four. I mean, he's some kind of good. But I, I think as an overall. Uh, defensive backfield unit I, I, I don't think that they're better than I, I think we're better than they are I, I really do I mean it's when you look at this one it, it just jumps off the page there's talent across the board and this is what a national championship game should be I think this year really validated the college football playoff we really saw the best teams square up against each other and we're going to get the two best mm-hmm. in the national championship we know what to expect out of these quarterbacks the talent the coaches the stage is set for this one so fill in the blank for me LSU wins this game if blank well I think we win the game we don't turn the ball over and and continue to take advantage of those mismatches I was talking about in coverage I don't think they have the horses to cover us all over the field it's Mm -hmm. just it's it's so difficult at the college level for these guys these defensive backs to be able to you know to to understand what they really have to do to stop an offense like we have. And so I think it's going to be high scoring. I think they're going to score on us a lot too. Our defense is, is, is good, but you know, we get, we've given up, I think 75 yards more per game offense than they have. So, I mean, we've given up some yards. They, they haven't played as good at ball clubs as we have all year, but you know, our defense is not completely shutting teams down either. So I think that Clemson's going to be able to, you know, to, to do some things that they want to do offensively. I just think that like against Oklahoma, we scored Burrow through seven touchdowns in the first half. I mean, he's had a record setting year. So I just don't know how they can keep up with us. If if they don't make us punt, if they don't get us in third and long a few times, uh, four, five, six times in the game, it's going to be a long night because they're going to have to try to keep up with us. And, and it's just, and, and, and in the Superdome, like you, you guys said, it's just hard because it's going to be deafening in there. It's going to be 80% LSU, 90% LSU, I would think. Well, there you have it, people. It's going to be a good one. I'm just looking for redemption from last year's snooze fest. Like we just need a good game. <laughs> I think we're going to end with it. And I don't know about you, Jason, but if it can't be Auburn, I want it to be LSU. So I'm happy. Yeah, I'm SEC. I'm <laughs> SEC biased. You know, it just it just means, it just means more. You know, it's, it does. I'm well, biased. It, it like does, and, and it's hard to go through this league, you know, undefeated, and we're oh, yes. 14 and 0. And so it's it, it, it's this is no easy it's no easy task to get here. We've beaten six top ten teams uh, at the time that we played those teams, and so we've 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 run the gauntlet. And in that SEC West is the gauntlet of gauntlets. It's like if you're Arkansas or, or Ole Miss or Mississippi State right now, man. I mean, it's the gauntlet of gauntlets because A&M's getting oh, yeah. better. Auburn is a top 10 team, Alabama, we are, I mean, it's just, it's so nasty. And so when you look yeah. up and you go, you're 14 and 0 coming into this thing, you've done something. So it's, uh, you know, gives you a lot of confidence. Well, Josh, we appreciate you coming on, man. I'm going to let you get back out there and shoot your 75 on the golf course. <laughs> Thank you, bud. Y'all have a good day. Good week. Go Tigers.
All right, everybody. Well, that wraps it up for us today here on Tiger Talk. Wow, the name is really relevant for us today. Just tigers everywhere. But we hope you enjoyed the episode talking all things college football. Everyone enjoyed the big game on Monday. We will be back next week to break down all the action for you. So as always, War Eagle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.